Don't blame me. Don't blame me. That was Brett Winterbull's question. That's his fault. He... <laughs> he's the one who asked it. Don't blame me for answering it. <laughs> All righty. News Talk 11, 1099.3 WBT. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to have fun. For real. It's true. Not everything. Look, and I understand some people are not happy unless they're miserable. I do understand that. For real, I do. I get it. But it is okay, unless you are of that kind, uh, it's okay to have fun. We can discuss other things, too. That being said, let's have not fun. Um, Democrats are planning to accept, or now they have accepted the offer from Mitch McConnell. This is the story in Politico. It's going to let them raise the debt ceiling. Huzzah! It's going to let them do so into December without a GOP filibuster. Senate leaders were working to finalize the deal on Wednesday night. This is uh, the story ran early this morning, by the way, and I'm sorry I didn't get to update it right before the show. Um, so this is the political piece that ran uh, before 1030. So effectively, this kicks the can on the stalemate over the borrowing limit just for another two months. So on the bright side, we get to do all of this again in another two months. What better way to celebrate Christmas, am I right, than a good old-fashioned debt ceiling debate? Can we please go back to regular order? Please? I am crying, uncle. Uncle, I give up. Please. Fine, fine, I'll do the, uh, I'll do the, the vaccine mandates. Just let's go to regular order. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This, this is the problem, right? This is the problem, is that we don't go through a normal budget appropriation process. We're not doing this stuff anymore, and we haven't in a very long time. And so we have these constant debt ceiling battles because, let's be fair, Democrats think they win. Democrats believe that they benefit whenever this issue comes up. And the only reason why they are correct is because they get the media coverage beneficial to them, even in this fight. They got media. I mean, think about that. Democrats control all of it. They can do whatever they want. And they still manage to get the media to frame it as the Republicans' fault. That the Republicans are trying to destroy the economy and destroy everything by blocking the debt ceiling lift. They've got 50 votes in the Senate. They've got... The majority in the House, I think a seven or eight vote majority in the House, and they have the presidency. You don't need anything more than that. You can do what you want to do. Um, But they didn't, and so it required Republicans to help them. And so depending on who you believe here, either Mitch McConnell caved or Mitch McConnell called their bluff. So luckily... The development today is that not only do we get to raise the debt ceiling, huzzah, but it also allows everybody to believe they won. So nobody gets to uh, move off of their positions. So once again, come December, we'll have the same fight. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Democrats accepted the deal that Mitch McConnell offered, which was, uh, let me see here. I have the other, where is it? Ah, here it is. Uh, this was from Philip Klein at National National Review, and 
Uh, he says, for weeks, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has been insisting that Democrats could not pursue reconciliation to extend the debt limit by themselves because there simply was no time left. This was Schumer's lie. Okay? It was a lie. So the reconciliation, this is the budget process that allows them to reconcile, go through this reconciliation. Remember, Obamacare was passed via reconciliation because you don't need the 60 votes in the Senate. All you need is the simple majority. So Democrats are perfectly capable of running reconciliation when they want to. But they didn't want to on this. So the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said, hey, we're going to run out of money on October uh, 18th. And so Chuck Schumer was like, oh, well, then we don't have time to do it. So Mitch McConnell, again, whether you believe this is him caving or calling the bluff, Mitch McConnell announced that he made an offer. He gave Schumer a choice between reconciliation proceeding on an expedited basis. So you can go ahead and do your reconciliation. We won't block you. That's what that, that was the offer. Or he said, you can have Republican support to pass an extension of the debt ceiling to provide enough room to cover spending into December. But that's it. So the first option meant that Democrats would have enough time to extend the debt limit through reconciliation in two weeks. The second option gave them months to pass something via reconciliation. Either way, Democrats could not credibly claim that reconciliation wasn't an option because of the timeline. Does that make sense? So McConnell, according to Philip Klein's analysis, McConnell called their bluff. He said, okay, you're saying it's because the time doesn't work. We'll give you the time frame. So now that's off the table. And so the Senate Democrats, they met and uh, they accepted the short-term suspension of the debt ceiling. And they're saying that that means McConnell caved. Literally, Senator Elizabeth Warren uh, said that McConnell caved. And now we're going to spend our time doing child care, health care, and fighting climate change. And then um, Sheldon Whitehouse, does he still belong to those racist country clubs or boat clubs, beach clubs, whatever they were? He's in like two of them. Yeah, like one racist country club. It's like, okay, well, that's an honest mistake, but you're in two? Like now it seems like something you're looking for. Anyway, he says, Mitch folded and we have until December to do build back better and we will. So <clears throat> this is the deal that they took. So they're going to they're going to try and do something by September. Um each option has drawbacks though. So this is uh, back to Politico. Each option has drawbacks for Democrats and it was intended to make them raise the debt ceiling to a fixed number rather than a limit until a certain point in in the future right so democrats responded by deciding to take only the short-term relief option so this is where we are again we're going to fight it all out again in another in another two months mcconnell said his party would allow democrats to lift the ceiling through november in order to avoid an imminent default Um, he also said his party would assist in expediting the reconciliation process for raising the debt ceiling um And Schumer 
wants Republicans to help Democrats break a filibuster on suspending the debt ceiling through next year's midterms. That's what Schumer wanted. McConnell and the GOP refused to do that. That's what prompted the stalemate. So Schumer wanted this to last through the midterm so they didn't have to uh, worry about it in the election cycle. Let me jump ahead here to the end. Do, 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 do. As the GOP debt blockade intensified, Dem- see what I mean? Like the GOP threat, the blockade threat intensified. It's all the Republicans' fault here. Democrats mold a number of off-ramps, including making an exception to the filibuster rules, Uh, But detonating the filibuster to raise the debt ceiling would only have worked if all the Democrats were on board. And Joe Manchin rejected that idea. And then uh, also we don't know what uh, Kristen Sinema uh, thought about that idea either. But that was what Democrats were trying to do. And Biden uh, gave an indication that he'd be fine with that approach as well. Democrats continue to distance themselves from reconciliation as an option which Republicans could ultimately use as a political cudgel during the midterms next year if the majority party is forced to settle on a new debt limit figure through the process. Yeah, imagine that. Republicans are trying to force Democrats to take responsibility for their profligate spending. And the Democrats don't want to because they're afraid it could hurt them in the election. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. A couple of uh, quick stats on the COVID front for you. Uh, more than 707,000 Americans, according to ABC News, have now died from COVID. That's what they're saying. I don't know if that's true. If it's from COVID or with COVID, they say from. 4.8 million people have died from the disease worldwide, according to real-time data compiled by the Center for Systems Science and Engineering at Johns Hopkins University. Uh, just 65.7% of Americans aged 12 and up are fully vaccinated. Um, what was the other data point here? Oh, um, yeah. More Americans now have died from COVID-19 this year in the... F- first 10 months of 2020, then died in the first 10 months of the pandemic last year. That makes sense? So the pandemic began, ran 10 months in 2020, and uh, for this year... I'm assuming everybody heard that, not just me. Well, that's weird. You didn't hear the EAS signal? That's so weird. Did you hear it? If you can hear me now. Tell me if you can hear me now. Call in now if you can't hear me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I don't know. I guess that was a test. That's weird, though. Is that normal? Don't they usually have the guy come on and be like, right? Don't you usually get the indecipherable instructions? So it is pretty amazing after all these years, how they have not figured out a better way to speak those messages, right? So at any rate, um, so I don't know how much of what I was saying got uh, chopped up by that, uh, the interruption. So I'll just re-rack it here. More Americans have died from COVID-19 this year than from the virus in 2020, right? So you're comparing 
two different 10 month windows because the virus began right March or so. Uh, so you had 10 months in 2020 and now we're 10 months into 2021. And so you got these comparable time periods and you've got 353,000 plus COVID deaths reported since January 1 compared to uh, the number of deaths, 352,000 in the first 10 months of the pandemic. Why is this important? Well, remember, there was a certain individual who told us that if we let him make the decisions that he would beat the virus and he would uh, and that the only reason the uh, that we were seeing all of the deaths was because he didn't have the job so i don't know right like that was his that, that's what he said and i suspect there are by the way there are a lot of people now uh, that are not too thrilled with the president his numbers are not doing very well and i'm not one who pulls individual polls to look at uh, you know, the snapshot and tell you what's going to happen in another three years from now, if he even runs again. Um, but I do look at trend lines and his trend line is down, down, down. It just keeps going down and it's really not surprising. And honestly, like the things, the, the trend line is what moves people to act. And I think it's why you see mansion and cinema or Cinemansion, as they call them, uh, it's why you see those two lawmakers unwilling to uh, to tie themselves to the Biden agenda. Biden promised he was a moderate. I know, I know, far be it for me to suggest that a politician might actually make a promise on the campaign trail that they then go back on once elected. I know, I know. But sometimes it happens. And guys, I have a feeling. I'm just thinking that this might be one of those times. Right, if you're if you positioned yourself as the anti-Trump, the non-Trump candidate, the the uh, the empathizer in chief, right, the unifying candidate. Now, anybody who has paid attention to Washington politics knows who Joe Biden is and has been, and they knew that was a lie. Right, they knew that was a lie. Just like in the final days of the campaign. When I sat in this chair, well, maybe not this exact chair, but at this spot in uh, 2008, and Barack Obama, one of the final speeches he gave, it was actually the day that his grandmother died. He was in Charlotte. He came to, I think it was UNC Charlotte, and it was raining, and he gave this big speech, and uh, it was uh, one of the things that Obama, like, whatever you think about the guy, like, I've seen him on the stump, and... He can move a crowd, especially after you do the same uh, stump speech over and over and over again, and you now you know the material, you know the, the, the lines to hit, you know. And one of the things that he could do better than any politician that I've seen, Trump does it to some extent, but not to the extent that uh, Obama did it, which was as the crowd starts cheering, he just keeps going, and he keeps getting louder and talking over the crowd and it builds this feeling and that's what he was able to do in the final days but he was doing it with a message that sounded darn near reagan-esque but i as somebody who watched a lot of his speeches during that campaign knew that this isn't what he's going to actually do when he becomes president this is just what he's saying on the trail and a lot of people fell into that trap with joe biden and now they're having a little bit of buyer's remorse i'm gonna read some names Milt 
Yeah. <clears throat> Milt Palacio, Sebastian Telfair, Antoine Wright, Darius Miles, Reuben Patterson was falsely tried. Charge was murder one. Guess who tested? Isn't that a Bob Dylan song? Reuben Carter was in Patterson, New Jersey. Never mind. Reuben Patterson, Eddie Robinson, Gregory Smith, Glenn Davis, Jamario Moon, Terrence Williams, Alan Anderson, Tony Allen, Shannon Brown, William Bynum, Melvin Eli, Christopher Douglas Roberts, and Tony Roten. <clears throat> Do you know who any of those people are? Do you know who they all are? Do you want to take a guess of this? Oh, you know who they are? They're NBA players. Do you know why I read their, all their names together? Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they, they what, they, uh, they, they took money, I guess. They, they, there's like fraud with healthcare or something from the NBA. 18 former NBA players arrested and charged federally for defrauding the NBA's health and welfare benefit plan. Four million dollars boosted from the, uh, from the funds. I got to be honest. I did not recognize a single one of their names. One of them was a Bobcat. Which one? Shannon Brown. Oh, okay. Who are the Bobcats? (laughs) Ah, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, not really. Um, They were the awful team in between the Hornets. By the way, did you see Steve Martin in the building? No, I didn't. He did Bo's podcast today. Oh, man. He would even remember that, I'm sure. <laughs> Steve, might... Steve remembers everybody, though. Does he? Well, he's so nice sometimes, I wonder. <laughs> like, is he really? Like, because he's, he's a super nice guy. He's one of the nicest people in the world. But, um, like, is he just being nice? He doesn't have any idea who I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did go by an assumed name at that time. Oh. So he may. <laughs> so you just you're just going to make things complicated. That's why. How dare you put that on Steve? And you you were using a different name at the time. Hey, he hired me under my real name. Now he was great. He was, but he did a lot of the TV side. Well, he was doing the TV side for the Hornets, and I was doing the radio side with Bob Licht and uh, uh, Mike Jaminski and uh, Jerry V. So and Bob White, who was the engineer, and Harold Hamrick, another engineer. But I, yeah, so like the away games, I sat down at the Hornets facility in Fort Mill. And I would do the pregame, the postgame, and the halftime show, do the scores from around the league for the Hornets broadcast network. The name was Peter O'Donnell. Nobody could tell it was me. Though, of course, they could. Um, it was not my idea. It was the old... Uh, Programming director at the time, Randall Bloomquist, he said, because I was a part-timer, and he, uh, so he, like, introduced me to the Hornets guys, and I don't know what strings he pulled to get me the job there or something. I don't know. I mean, I think I qualified. I just was reading scores, so it wasn't difficult. Pulling some audio, put together the, you know, the little show. And anyway, point is that uh, he's like, you can't uh, use your real name because I don't want there to be confusion among the audience because when you're doing some on-air stuff for WBT News, I don't want there to be confusion that you're a news person and you're doing these sports reports. So what you should have done is, in the, uh, about an hour ago, you should have gone up to, to Steve and introdu- introduced yourself as Peter O'Donnell. Oh, right. That was my name, Peter and, O'Donnell. And, and seen if he would have caught on. I didn't even see him. I didn't see him in the building. 
Oh man. Why isn't why doesn't Bo tell me these people are coming in? This is like this is your life for me. I sit here and I watch <laughs> the people like you may remember Steve Martin. He gave you a job at the NBA Hornets franchise. It, it literally happens right in front of this glass. Right in, in front, front of, of the you. glass, right there. <laughs> um, so, of course, the the ironic thing about the whole double name deal was that the only people, so right, because the I'm going out over the 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 network, the Hornets network as Peter O'Donnell. So everybody who's in a different market listening to the Hornets broadcast, they don't know who Peter Callender is. They don't know who Pete Callender is. They just know Peter O'Donnell. So the only people that would have recognized my voice are the people in Charlotte who know it's Pete Callender and Peter O'Donnell, the same person. So the only confusion you're creating is in this market, <laughs> which I, I look back on it now and the logic doesn't make sense. But here's the lot. Here's a piece of logic that does make sense. This explains it. Which, by the way, this is all about a lesson here. Which is when the outcomes don't make any sense to you. If you are confused by the result, reassess your assumptions. And so my assumption was that he did not want there to be confusion among the audience listening. Right. But that doesn't make sense. So if you reassess the assumption, what do you come to? A, there's a better conclusion, which is. He didn't want people outside the market to hear me and try to offer me a job because I was only part-time here and he was trying to get another full-time position in the budget for me. And when eventually happened, I think then the, or somebody left or something, I forget what, but he was, he wanted me to go full-time here and that, yeah, so this was like just uh, like a placeholder, like keep him around. Let's give him some money, some extra money just before he, you know, up and moves to some other city or something like that. That's what makes sense. Of course, it also feeds like my massive ego here, too. So <laughs> that's what I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. That's what I just kind of came to the conclusion of. But, you know, a lot of people, they called him Hurricane Randall when he came to town because he he blew up a lot of the station, but I will say he built the news department here at BT, hired a lot of people, built the news department, and he hired me, which really is probably the best decision that he's ever made and probably that I've ever had made for me. So, <laughs> so it works out that way. You ever read the Stanley News and Press, aka The Snap? Chris Miller writing at The Snap. A lengthy and at times contentious school board meeting Tuesday night ended after more than three hours with board chairman Jeff Chance announcing his resignation after the board came out of closed session. Quote At this time, I hereby resign from the Board of Education effective immediately, he said before making a motion that the board adjourn. Wait a minute. Hang on a second. At this time, I hereby resign from the Board of Education, effective immediately, he said, before making a motion that the board adjourn. Um, cart before the horse there. Right? I quit. Motion to adjourn. 
You can't do that, man. You just quit. So that tells me the board is still in session. Oh, my gosh. This is crisis territory. At this time, so he says, I quit, and then I, I make a motion to adjourn. Anyway, he's out. His announcement followed a tense exchange during closed comments. Closed comments? Would that be a closed session? I think that's a closed session. Why were they in closed session? You're only allowed to go into closed session unless they're saying closed comments, like that this was still done in public? I don't, I'm confused. Anyway, back to the snap. Chance's announcement followed a tense exchange during closing, oh, closing comments. Sorry, that's my bad. Okay, so this is my, sorry, I misread that. Closing comments. So this was done in the open. All right. As board members discussed why the venue for the meeting had been changed from its usual location in the spacious Gene McIntyre meeting room to the much smaller staff development room where the public was not allowed entry except to briefly speak during public comments. You know why they moved to a smaller room, right? Yeah, they were done hearing from the folks of Stanley County. (laughs) This is quite obvious. Have you been to Stanley County? Yeah, there there are no masks in Stanley County, right? They're just, (laughs) you just don't find them, uh, except like on the ground in parking lots. No, no, I I mean, I saw some people wearing some masks um, in Stanley County, like in the grocery store. Saw a couple of people. That's about it, though. Like, seriously, it's just, it's not a thing. And apparently some folks are getting pretty irate with the school board there. And uh, it prompted the, uh, the chairman to quit. He's done. Board member Anthony Graves. Well, first, the chairman moved the meeting, right? First, he said, let's move the meeting out of this big room where everybody can come. Let's move out of there uh, so this way we can just have people come in one at a time. So it's not as raucous and chaotic and noisy. and Don't want to get the rabble roused, you know? Board member Anthony Graves said that he first found out about the change in location on Sunday. He initially thought the location was changed due to some sort of threat that was conveyed to board members or maybe school faculty, though that was not the case. So when Greaves reached, uh, sorry, Graves reached out to the central office, he was told that the chairman had made the decision. As discussions continued at Tuesday's meeting, Chance, the chairman, revealed that his life had been threatened over the past few months during a time where the board voted to require masks in schools, which has been deeply unpopular with large parts of the community. Chance also said other board members and some central office staff had not felt safe the previous two board meetings, which were both open to the public and which involved numerous individuals having to be escorted out by law enforcement. By the way, I have spent a good bit of time in Stanley County. I have relatives that live there. Um, I have seen on more than one occasion open carrying at the youth soccer and basketball games. I am a concealed carry permit holder. I just want to go on record. Um, The open carry folks, you're not helping (laughs) on the Second Amendment. I understand that's not why a lot of people do it, but a lot of people do it as a in-your-face, as some sort of message, like I'm going to exercise my rights, and I I appreciate that, but um, yeah, you're not helping. You open carrying to the basketball game, first off, on school grounds is illegal, so Shouldn't be doing that, but um, more importantly, just from a uh, from a persuasion 
perspective, uh, there isn't anybody that's uncomfortable with firearms that's now going to become comfortable with firearms just because you brought yours on your hip, right? It just it's it, it actually, if people don't see the gun, they're fine. And and here's the other thing too, um, if people don't see the gun, then um, then they don't know you have it. And so if somebody does try something, you get the element of surprise. So just from a tactical standpoint, it actually makes more sense. But maybe you don't want to get the concealed carry, whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah, I've done a, I, Anyway, so maybe somebody brought, you're not allowed to bring them. I mean, Madison Cawthorn brought a knife in his pocket because he carried a knife and he forgot he had it in his pocket and someone took a picture of it. Now they're like, oh, my gosh. Somebody. By the way, there are citizens now trying to get him indicted for that. Yeah, because he showed up at a school board meeting and forgot that he had a pocket knife. Literally in his pocket. This is, by the way, where I point out that as a person who is a paraplegic, he may not actually have feeling in his pockets. So he may not actually know that it was there. He may have legitimately forgotten that he had something in his pocket. I'm just just throwing it out there for you empathetic social justice warriors. Um. So Chance said, the chairman said that he has had his life threatened and others don't feel safe. And I will give them the benefit of the doubt and say that, fine, I I believe you. Board member Glenda Gibson said two members had been, quote, accosted out in public recently, which she said was unacceptable. We can't have that and we're not going to have that. Uh, look, I, I don't think, I mean, like, I, again, I don't know what accosted means, now, if you're going to get into somebody's face and start yelling and screaming at them, like, again, I'm starting to wonder at some point, maybe, you know, some people, you know, deserve a, a slap in the face every now and again. I'm not advocating. All right, hang on. Let me say, all right, I retract that. I'm not advocating violence. I'm just saying, I think a lot of people did not get popped at least once in their life at some point. I think that might be part of society's problem at this point. Now, like, like, like just, like, hey, you know, shut up. You're being rude. That kind of thing. Um, but I don't know if Acosta just means somebody came up to her and was disagreeing with her. Because, again, in today's society, there are a lot of people that are just hypersensitive. And I'm sorry if you ran for an elected position and now you're doing things that people don't like and they're telling you that. But you kind of signed on for that gig. I'll never forget Coach Joe White, the former city councilman and uh, school board chairman, CMS, uh, he told me the story that his daughter uh, advised him or questioned him when he made the decision that he was not going to run for city council anymore. He was going to run for school board. And she said, Dad, why would you do that? Like some people, like there are people that like city council members, but nobody likes the school board. So this other school board member, Graves, said that board members should never be threatened, but the public does have a First Amendment right to attend board meetings and let their voices be heard. Yeah, so moving it into the smaller room to avoid the criticism, not exactly a profile in courage, right?